Uh, our guest speaker this morning, his name is Jeffrey Portman. He is a pastor from Washington. He is the district youth director, which means he oversees all of the, uh, the youth ministries for the Assemblies of God of all of Washington and part of Idaho. So he kind of does what Drew Smithson does for Southern California. So uh, just to really appreciate him. It was a great camp, but he's here with us this morning with his team. So I want you guys to give a big welcome to Jeffrey as he comes up. We are so glad that we're here this morning. You know what, Cub? You can even push it aside just for a second. I'm going to invite our team to come up. We have a, my wife and I have a group of seven amazing men and women who are traveling with us this summer. And um, these are individuals that sense God's call in their life. And we just have had a privilege to learn from them and then in some ways pour into them as well as summer. So you can tell we've had a lot of fun this summer. And we want to talk about that very issue this morning of training for this race. Uh, we recognize that this journey called Christianity is not a sprint. And any of us that have tried to live a Christian life in that way realize that we're a long ways from the finish line. But there's some principles that we can get, gather from God's Word. And this morning we're hoping that God would help us just to, to get a glimpse of what it looks like to, to be a lifelong Christ follower rather than a sprinter. Imagine for a moment if you were the great hope of America for the Olympics. You might feel like something like this. All right. So here's the deal. Imagine a group of people coming into your home, interrupting your favorite TV show with a very urgent message. Good news. We're from the United States Olympic Committee, and we're looking for someone to run the next Olympic marathon. We have statistics of every single person in the nation on computer. We've checked all the records, starting with fitness tests, bone structure, body type, all the way down to your percentage of body fat. We have decided out of 200 million people in America that you are the one person that can bring on the gold medal for the marathon. So you're on the squad. Run the race. This is a chance of a lifetime. All right, so let's just be honest about this. You're pretty surprised because the farthest that you've ever been is from your couch to your refrigerator. But after the first shock passes, you're gripped by the realization of what's happening in your life. You imagine yourself mingling with the elite athletes of the world. You allow yourself to imagine maybe you do have what it takes. At night, you dream about standing on the podium after the race, hearing the national anthem, seeing the flag raised, and bending low to receive the gold medal. You begin to feel now a sense of urgency. It'll be your body wearing those little racing togs with a billion people watching. But greater than any external pressure is the internal drive that says, this is the race that I was created to run. This is my destiny. This is why I was born. This is my chance. This race becomes the greatest passion of your life. It dominates your mind. It dominates every waking moment to run the race well and win it if you can. It becomes a central focus of your existence. It gets you out of bed in the morning. It is what you live for. It is the chance of a lifetime. But then, it dawns on you. Right now, you can't run a marathon. More to the point, you can't run a marathon if you tried really, really hard. Trying hard can only accomplish so much. If you're serious about this lifetime opportunity, then you need to enter into a lifetime of training. You must arrange your life around certain practices that will enable you to do what your body cannot do with willpower alone. When it comes to running a marathon, you must train, not merely try. This morning we want to talk about that. The difference between training and trying. I grew up in a small town in Paulsbo, called Paulsbo. It's across the water from Seattle. And it's one of those little towns that uh, one time a year there's a festival, and it's called Viking Fest, a little Norwegian town. There's some bread made in Paulsville. You may have seen it in the grocery store. The city shuts down. 
carnival atmosphere is created. There's parades. There's balloons. And on Saturday morning each year, there is what's called the Viking Fest race. It's, it's a 5K race. Well, this particular weekend, we had a family friend, Bob Nunley, who came into town to visit us. We took him downtown, and, and just before the race started, he realized that there was an opportunity to still sign up. Well, he had not prepared, he not trained at all, but he was moved by the, the moment and the crowd and the idea of getting a t-shirt, probably. And so he, he registers, and that starting gun goes off, and thousands of people leave downtown Paulsbo. And as a, as a younger kid, I just was like waiting and waiting. And it felt like forever for him to finish this race. Now, he finished it, but he finished it in a little different condition than he started it. He came running in kind of like this a little bit, and... It was because the, the shoes he had on were not running shoes. He had blisters that had opened up about the mile mark, and this was a 3.1-mile race. And he is wearing khaki walking shorts, which caused some rubbing of their own. And uh, he was kind of marked by that moment, if you could say that. Uh, he was not prepared for this race. And yet his enthusiasm and his excitement for the potential of participating is what made him sign up for it. If any of you are here today that you say, listen, I, I realize what it means to be a Christian, and it's not what I thought it was going to be when I first started. Yes, there's the peace, there's the joy, there's that sense of God's presence in our lives. But the longer you serve God, you realize there are seasons where it feels like God forgot about you. There are seasons where it feels like the testing of our faith is just to test us, not to develop perseverance. And yet, what we discover if we train, not just try, that God has something pretty amazing in store for us. If you have your Bibles, turn them to 1 Timothy. It's a cool uh, piece of scripture. It's the Apostle Paul is writing to one of his, his uh, followers, someone he'd been mentoring for a long time. And Timothy's assignment at this point in his life was to pastor a church in Ephesus. And like a lot of us with the assignments we're given, we feel a little bit overwhelmed or unquali- underqualified. And Timothy just needed a little bit of boost of encouragement. And so Paul writes to him there, and he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. And he's just providing some instruction, a mentoring moment for him. He says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, we understand the importance of physical fitness and and training, and yet Paul's saying, while that's good and that's important, there's something even more important, and that is the spiritual fitness and training of our heart. Now, every one of us that has crossed that line of faith and said yes to Christ realizes that we have an opportunity to have an interaction with Jesus every day. It's not just, as Pastor Gary said, a weekend relationship. You could imagine if my wife and my wife's here, she's... uh, able to be with us this morning. Can you raise your hand, sweetheart? We have two sons, Justice and Josiah. They, they're here as well. Could you imagine if I told them, hey, Josiah, I love you so much, and Joanne, I love you so much. I'm going to spend every weekend with you. But during the week, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. The ladies in the room are like, uh, I don't think so, right? I mean, could you imagine that, though? And yet, maybe sometimes that's how God feels. Like, man, God, we are so tight. I worship you. You're amazing. Oh, you're awesome. You're glorious. Okay, we'll see you next week. And that's not relationship. That's acquaintance. And God wants us to go deeper. And I want to just propose to you this morning, trying is not what gets us there. It's actually training. 
for parents. Again, growing up in that little Norwegian town in Paulsbo, uh, we lived on the water. And my, one of my buddies had a, a ski boat. It was one of the nice ones that like, like rip you out of the water. Your arms are out, out, out of the sockets type boats. And we had a, a, a German foreign exchange student that was, that was with us. And we just thought, we want to teach this guy how to water ski. So we gave him some of the basic tips. You know, you have uh, your hands in front, get the tips out of the water, keep the line between the legs, let the bolt pull you out of the water, don't lean forward. And the last thing I think is what we said to him was just hold on. And because that's exactly what he did. The boat <laughs> rips him out of the water, skis, <laughs> legs, <laughs> okay? And he is now holding onto this rope submerged underwater. And it felt like, and it was probably like six or seven, maybe ten seconds, but it felt like a week. You're like, no, everything goes into slow motion, you know? And I'm waiting for this dude to, you know, surface, and he finally does. Now, obviously, he could have tried and held onto that rope for a week. He could still be holding onto it, but he wouldn't learn how to water ski. At some point, it's not about trying harder. It's about actually purposely training. And when Paul talks to Timothy, he says, Timothy, listen, dude, you're in leadership. You're a man after my own heart. You're engaged in helping other people. But even you have to train yourself to be godly. You've got to put together a, a plan and have something that you're moving towards. Now, I want to encourage you, if you've never read the book, The Life You've Always Wanted, the, the essence of this message is really grabbed from chapter 3 of that book. And Ortberg says this, and I love this statement. He says, respecting the difference between training and really trying is the key to transformation in every area of life. Following Jesus simply means learning from him how to arrange my life around activities that enable me to live in the fruit of the Spirit. I position myself, I arrange my life around activities that allow me to live in the fruit of the Spirit. Now when he's referencing the fruit of the Spirit, he's referring to Galatians chapter 5. But we read, again, Paul writing to the church there, and he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think for all of us that are, have said yes to Christ, we should probably use that as one of the, 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 the mile markers or the, the indicators of the Spirit's work in our lives. How are we doing when it comes to loving people? How are we doing when it comes to having joy and peace and patience? We can get a sense of where we're at in our spiritual journey by looking at those as indicators. The fruit of the Spirit is, again, the evidence that God's at work in our lives. Now, if you're in this room and you've been a Christian more than two days, you know that sometimes things go wrong. And sometimes they're out of our control. And yet other times we create scenarios that difficulties arise. Now, changing subject for a second, have you ever, ladies in this room here, been a bridesmaid? Anyone? You basically had like four to eight months in preparation, and then they had to find that dress that was just perfect. Maybe you've been here, and, and you've been to your 10-year um, class reunion, or maybe your 20-year. It's kind of funny how when something important is coming up, it changes how we live our life. My brother-in-law, Paul, was going to his 20-year reunion, and I saw him like, man, you look good. He's like, yeah, I'll be seeing some people I haven't seen for a while. <laughs> Curling. It's just, here's the statement I think is true. Sometimes all we need is a strong enough incentive to make some course corrections in our daily life. I want to propose to you, intimacy with Jesus Christ 
should be all the incentive that we need to fight for the daily disciplines of pursuing Jesus. And yet, sometimes it's just easy for us to take it for granted. If you're one of those people that partway through the message sleeps, let me finish this next sentence and then rest well. Because this is like the sermon in a sentence, okay? Here it is. The pot, it's on the screen too. The possibility of transformation is the essence of hope. Now those are flowery words when they get strung together, but here's what it means. No matter where you're at, you don't have to stay the way, you're at, the way you are. The possibility of transformation. Now this could be true of your finances. Maybe it's relationally, but for all of us it's spiritually. And there's times where we believe that lie that I'll always be this way. I'm going to be trapped in this or as this person forever. And that's just not the truth of the scriptures. So the possibility of transformation is the essence of hope. And for us to really make direction changes or take a concerted effort to shift how we live, it's going to require us to see something better. Unless we see something better, why would we change what we're doing? That's why we read in Hebrews, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. If our eyes are on anyone or anything else, what happens is we just kind of begin to meander off. Practicing spiritual disciplines is what enables you and I to have a closeness with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to, maybe a new concept, but there's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he already does. I think maybe just growing up I had this idea, if I read my Bible every day and if I memorize these verses and if I spend this, time's up, this amount of time in prayer, then God loves me more. And yet the scriptures again make it clear that greater love has no man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. So while there's nothing we can do to make God love us more than than he already does, spiritual disciplines are those things that create environments for you and I to love God more than we already do. It's time together that develops that intimacy, and it's got to be purposeful. Spiritual disciplines are activities that enable me to live life more like Jesus Christ. So real quick inventory, not show of hands, but just in your mind, how are you doing at creating environments in your everyday life where you and Jesus interact? The great news, again, is no matter where we're at, we can take those steps forward. Uh, Occasionally we have this idea that God is like a genie in a bottle. Something goes wrong at work, maybe in a relationship. Maybe that bill's due and you're like, Lord, I really need your help in this moment. And then we think he gets back in the bottle and we set him on the shelf until we really need him again. And that's not how he created us. He created us for everyday interaction, everyday connectedness and conversation with him. A friend of mine we were at Aztec. It's a Mexican restaurant up north. And he's there, and he's, you know, they give you the free chips. That was a good idea, right? How many are, I just lost you because now you're like, hmm, what are we going to do for lunch? Okay? I won't be long. But he's there, and he's got this bowl of chips in front of him, and he's salting every chip, Pastor Ed, every chip. He's dipping it in the guacamole, sour cream, and the salsa, different orders, and he's shoving it in his his frontal orifice, and he is just telling us one of his goals is to have a six-pack this year. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that, you're definitely on the right road, buddy. <laughs> you just keep that up. You're going to be just fine. I mean, at some point, don't we have to make some adjustments in what we're doing to get to where we want to go? 
You ever talk with someone and they're like, they're always, always, always struggling with finances? And they always buy new stuff? Like, I mean, I, I could be wrong here, but it could be that you always spend all the money you get. Occasionally, we've got to make some shifts. How, how passionate are you to know Jesus more? Now, here's the coolest thing. As passionate as you are to know him, he's more passionate to know you. But we have to go beyond trying and get to training. If you have your Bibles, would you flip with me? Just go left a little bit, a couple chapters, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, this is, again, Paul writing to the church of Corinth. And when he is referencing this example, he's referencing the Ithmian Games. Now, we heard of the Olympics because they're the modern um, games worldwide. But the Ithmian Games were like the cousins of the Olympics. They happened every other year. And so when he writes to the church in Corinth, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, we know what you're talking about because we see them every other year. And he says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? We're like, Paul, that's powerful. Thank you. No, okay. Sometimes the Bible is just basic, right? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. If you study this out, they had to train for a minimum of 10 months in order to participate in these games. So unlike my dad's friend, he couldn't sign up the morning of and think that you could race. You had to prepare your body. You had to train. You had to say no to some other things because you had said yes to being in this competition. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, that wreath that was placed on their head. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Paul says, okay, because of all that stuff, because of what you understand, the context of the city we live in even, he says, therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. He says, no, I beat my body and I make it my slave, which is a powerful imagery. I make my body my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's saying more than just trying, more than just really, 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 really wanting to know Jesus more and to have better relationships, I'm going to be purposeful. I'm going to beat my body. I'm going to make it my slave. I'm not going to let how I feel dictate the future of my life. And isn't it true that there's the ebb and flow of life? I, I like to call it the January fitness craze. My wife and I, when we're home, we work out at 24-hour fitness. And you, some of you know what I'm talking about. You walk in in January, and the, every machine has someone on it. Now, she loves God more than I do because I'm like, you won't be here in two weeks. You'll be here maybe not even tomorrow. And I'm just going through the list. I'm like, because there's no machine. It's packed. I mean, people are doing stuff that they haven't done for 25 years because it's the only machine available. There's grandparents on the squat machine. I mean, it's just not right, okay? What happens, though, is they're going to realize probably the next day or it's even worse the day after, this is actually going to cost me something. There's going to be some pain involved. I worked construction one summer between high school years, and one of my buddies decided over that summer that he was going to get buff. First of all, you don't do that over a summer, but it was we were both pretty dumb. So he, he went in, and he got this trainer, and this trainer was like, Hans, you know, like, 
come here, I will teach you how to lift weights. Okay, and so the guy walks in, my buddy, and he squats that, and he does some squats. Gets into his car, he can't push the clutch in. And that day, he decided he was not going to be buff. Occasionally, in our journey, our spiritual journey, we have these great moments where we feel like, storm the castle, you know, come on, let's do it. And we just like, we can do this. And then there's the, the other times where we're at the bottom of the roller coaster. We're like, where are you? You, you, you. And it just echoes. We feel like we're talking to the ceiling and the fans blocking the prayers. There are seasons in the Christian journey. Now let's just say, let's just agree for the rest of the next few minutes we're together that spiritual disciplines are an important part of being a Christ follower. So how do we know which ones to do? Let me give you some basics. I'm not going to give you the list of 25 things. Some of the basics, obviously, are read the Bible, pray, have relationship with other Christ followers. But here, here's, if you're writing notes, here's a thought for you. Discover what it really means to live like Jesus did. So you have to recognize and discover who he was. And the second thing is, how did he live? If he's our model, he's our example but I'm not looking to a man, though I have mentors. I'm not looking to a woman, though I have women that pour into my life. I'm looking to Jesus, who is that, the center point for me. So I'm going to discover that by jumping into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The basics of Christianity in four books from four perspectives. Now what's interesting about the Gospels is, if you've ever had someone, and maybe you're in this place where you're maybe a new Christian, or maybe you're new to Scriptures, you've been in church for a long time, but now you're just starting to jump into the scriptures. You'll read Matthew, you're like, oh, that was good. The genealogy thing, mm, unimportant. I mean, it's important, but you're like boring, right? And he begat who, and you know, okay. So anyways, and then you get to chapter 2, you're like, whoa, the Magi, that's kind of cool. Oh, wow. And then you get to Matthew, and then to Mark, you're like, this sounds so familiar. Like, well, let's just keep reading. Then you get to Luke. I know I've read this before. I can't remember where I've read this, but I, this sounds all very familiar. They're called the synoptic gospels, okay? It's the same. And you get to John, you're like, oh, refreshing, okay? Because John hits it from a whole different perspective. In our Christian journey, sometimes it's going to feel like we're just doing the same thing over and over. You know what? I'm so glad that my wife cooks at her house. You know, this will shock you, but we've had some, same, some of the same meals in the last 14 years we've been married. Some of you guys are like, when she, when she does something different, it's not good, right? Some of you are thinking that. I wouldn't say that from a microphone, but you might. We don't make a big deal about the routines and the consistencies of our everyday life. You probably take the same route or close to the same route to work every day. Some of you that go to Starbucks, you have maybe one, potentially two drinks that you order. When you grab your toothbrush in the morning, you use the same hand unless it's broken, and you start in the same part of your mouth even. Am I right or am I right? I'm right. You do the exact same routine. You get up and we're like, ah, you just, whatever you do, and you go and you shower, and, and you have, and routines are not bad. Here's what I'm proposing, though. Why don't we create some spiritual routines, not just trying, but literally training to be godly, fighting for godliness. Paul instructs us and he encourages us. Here's a great definition. A disciplined person is someone who can do the right thing in the right moment, in the right way, with the right spirit. 
right thing, right moment, right way, right spirit. If you've ever had a conversation with your spouse or a good friend, and you were right, but you presented it wrong, you're still wrong. The highs and lows are just part of the journey. Now, what about seasons? I live in Washington, and in Washington there are two seasons. It's raining or it's going to rain, okay? So the Lord knows our heart. We've already prayed, yes, God, we could work with Pastor Gary easily. And so I don't know if you need another youth staff, but we might move down here. Seasons are just part of the journey. We even have the school seasons. We have the summer seasons. There are seasons spiritually. Do you recognize how God wired you? It's so important. My wife is, um, again, I think probably more like the Lord than I am, and so she'll get up at 2 or 3 in the morning and have her quiet time. I tried that because I'm like, I'm the man of the house. I'm the priest of this home. So I got up one morning, and I made my way out to this chair in our living room, and I sat down, and I opened my Bible, and I took a six-hour nap. (laughs) It did not go well, okay? This is what's important. It's so important I wrote it down. I'm not wired like she is. And when I try to be her, even in spiritual things, I'm not recognizing my divine design. So you may say, ah, dude, I, I tried those spiritual disciplines things. They're just, ah. Listen, there's more than one way to pursue Jesus Christ. Now, he is the way and the truth and the life. So there's not another means to God, but there's ways that we can connect with Jesus. And spiritual disciplines are not just, and you fill in the blank with whatever you just thought I was going to say. God will meet us in unique and powerful and creative ways. I know most of the guys in here, we're not journalers. Maybe you are. But maybe you could do like that Star Trek thing, start date, and just boop, one sentence. This is my time. Hey, God, this is cool. Some of you ladies, you're novelists. <laughs> you have a conversation with somebody, you're like, I just got to write about this. That's awesome. But it's important that we don't try to be someone else. Though we find mentors, we have people that pour into our lives and they, they challenge and they encourage us. But we say, I, I, I want to know Jesus so bad that I'm going to try things until I get close to him. And again, the same passion that you have to know him, he has that much more to know you. A couple questions to close with. Are you running in such a way as to get the prize? If there's a way to run to get the prize... There's a way not to run. There's a way that we can run that we will not finish the race. And the, the, the cry of our heart for my wife and I and for our boys is that they would say yes to Jesus. Not just in a moment or not at a camp, students that were there. As powerful as God met us, he's still as powerful today in this moment. Spiritual disciplines and training for spiritual godliness, it's one of the most important decisions you're going to make. Second question, just kind of a takeaway thought for you. Travis and team, can you guys come up? You can see it on the screen. But here's the question. What are you doing to to put yourself in a place where a metamorphosis can occur? That metamorphosis is a, it's a beautiful word. And it, it, it references and it, it, paints a picture of the caterpillar to the butterfly. Now, when I was little, I used to think a caterpillar and a butterfly were different things. 
You know what? A caterpillar is just a butterfly that's matured. It's that process that God takes us through. And the spiritual disciplines that we sometimes fight against because they don't feel as good, they're what develop us and create in us that closeness with God. And they allow us to get close to the finish line. I'm glad I'm not there yet and whatever the Lord's timing is for my life. But I want to be able to have the people in my life experience what it means to serve God wholeheartedly. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to ask that God would do Uh, For some of you, he would create a resolve in your spirit to get past how you feel because our feelings are not a foundation for decision-making. Come on, think about tomorrow morning when you wake up. You won't feel like getting up, many of you, but you still do. Let's apply that same, I have to do this, to our spiritual pursuits. And rather than living feeling-based faith, let's purpose in our hearts to go from trying to training. I want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're here and uh, you've never even started the race. You came to church and you're investigating who Jesus is and you're kind of checking it out. First of all, that's awesome. But I, I just want to give you the opportunity this morning to surrender your life to Christ. The, the Bible's so clear. It says this. It's in the very end, right before Revelation. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And in Romans it says this, but God demonstrates, he puts on display his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So sometimes we have this idea that I have to be good enough for God to accept me, but that's not true. We will never be good enough on our own. That's why Christ came. So this morning, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, in a second, I want to give you the opportunity. And for the rest of us, many of you and most of you that have, I want to ask that question. What are you doing to put yourself in a place where metamorphosis can occur spiritually in your life? It's not usually a drastic change. It's it's gradual. Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, there's just something about being together as believers where the common denominator is you in our lives. And yet for those in here, Lord, that have never made that decision to say yes to you, God, we just create a window of opportunity for them. And if you've never given your life, but you say, today I want to say yes to Christ. I want to become a Christ follower. You can just pray a simple prayer like Jesus I confess my sins. I surrender my life to you today. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. Be my Savior. Give me hope. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for each of the individuals in this room, God, myself included, that years ago I said yes to you. God, I want to I finish the race. Lord, I pray for every individual, for every mom and dad, for every student, every adult in this room, that you would give them the resolve and the courage and the confidence, Lord, to take those steps daily just to follow you. If you're here this morning, say, I I want you to pray for me, Pastor Jeffrey, just in closing. I want to begin to put myself in a place 
spiritually where God can begin to change me. And I want to go from trying, but I, I really want to begin to train to be a, a godly person. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I'm just going to include you in this closing prayer. God, that simple act of raising our hand, uh, sometimes it's difficult. So I just pray courage for each of these individuals. And Lord, we really want to know you more. And so help us to have an insight and clarity regarding those simple steps to become more like you. We love you, Jesus. We're just amazed at what you've done in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. All right. Well, this uh, this summer has been a non-ending summer for Jeff and I, and it continues going on next week. I don't think either one of us have been home more than one week so far this summer. Him, I think, even less than that. But uh, again, we take off next week. He's going to summer camp for another week of camp because he's on staff. Uh, me and a few of the boys, Chad, Remington, Sean, we're headed to Austria for a mission trip and to help them do their summer camp over there. So uh, one more big thing here, and, and then we're back home together. But I'll tell you what, and Jeff would agree with me on this. There, the reason people keep asking, how are you guys doing this? How can you guys keep going? And the reason is because we're on the mission field when we're at camp, when things get a little rough or discouraging for whatever moment, the fact to know that you have your church back home that's praying for you, that's covering for you, and that you simply have a place to go back home to worship and be a part of is, is means so much. So I just ask you guys, continue to pray for us and the youth ministry and, and all that we're trying to do. Pray for Jeff for next week. Pray for me and the team as we go to Austria to do that camp. And uh, and we'll all be back together again in two weeks where uh, Jeff and I are going to do something that we haven't done, at least for the adults, is tag team a sermon together on the 19th. So we're looking forward to that. So it'll be a lot of fun to do that that morning. But just um, a couple other things. When you leave this morning, the remnants got their CDs out there and uh, their T-shirts. And again, all these guys are Vanguard students, but now uh, Cornerstone's their home. So as long as they're at Vanguard, they're part of us and they're our responsibility. So let's bless them and encourage them. And I'll tell you what, man, just buy some of their CDs because it just gives you a great time of worship. There's four songs on it, and it's just four songs of worshiping God. There's actually five because there's a secret track. So keep listening to track four. Keep listening to track four, and there's a secret track there. So... All right. I just want to pray for you guys before we go this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, everybody to hear this morning, God. Thank you for meeting us here, Lord God. Thank you for bringing your word to us this morning, God. Just a great time of worship, Lord Jesus. We love you. We pray for Pastor Vader's, Lord God, while he's on vacation, Lord God, that you would just give him good rest, a good time with his family, Lord Jesus, and he'd come back just ready to, to get things going again, Lord God, in a couple of weeks, Father. Just uh, pray over all of our people here this morning, God. Let them have a great week, Lord Jesus. I pray that this week, too, Lord God, would be the beginning of a new week for a lot of them as they get into their word this week, Lord God, as they journal, as they spend time in prayer, as they maybe they get involved in new ministry this week, Lord God, just use them, bless them, open doors for them, Father. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. You guys have a great week. Hi there. If my voice sounds familiar because you've just been listening to a message from me, my name's Carl Vaders. If the voice you're hearing now is different from the voice you just heard, well, either way, the message you just heard was preached at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. And we're just tagging this on to the end of, in case you got a copy of a copy of a copy of something, and I'm not sure where it came from. Cornerstone Christian Fellowship is located at 17575 Euclid Street in Fountain Valley, California. You can get a hold of us through the phone number 714-962-5412 or check us out on the web at cornerstonefv. That's cornerstonefv for Fountain Valley.com.